I'm Aaron Breen, and this is Aaron's Eye. It's a look at life in Ireland through the eyes of abroad abroad. <laughs> That's me. I've been here just over two years now, which I realize isn't all that long, but I can tell you that the best discoveries here are the ones you just stumble upon. Sure, and there are pubs and castles and musicians everywhere you look here, but it's the Irish adventures, the living history, the Celtic culture, and the true ingenuity of the people who live here that make this such a magical place. So welcome to my view from Aaron's Island. In Ireland, everything has history. The Irish just have a knack for repurposing things. On a recent trip to the Dingle Peninsula, my sister-in-law, Frances, and I stayed in a B&B that used to be a stable. Now, you couldn't tell that by looking at it now, but our host, Morris, was happy to share its history. Okay. In the door. And room number two, the room you're staying in, is where the hay was. And if you stand by the bed below, near the wall, on this side near the door, you'll feel that the, doors, uh, the floor is uneasy under you. That's where the trapdoor was going down to the hay. It is secured, but they left it there for good luck. Well, we did have the luck of not falling through any floors, so I guess that works. And for those who think that life was tough for you growing up, I bet you had some of life's luxuries before Morris and his family did. We got running water in 73, black and white television in 73, and the first Volkswagen Beetle in 1973. I was 12, my brother was 16. 15, 13, 12, and my sister was 11 before we got running water. Yeah, Morris knows a lot about the history of Dingle. And we knew that he'd be able to guide us to just the kind of pubs we were looking for. The kind of Irish pubs that I'd heard about, but not actually seen here. It turns out pubs actually used to be more of a sidebar to other businesses, selling anything and everything from groceries to hardware. Some still are in Dingle, and Morris knew just where to send us. But he was such a lovely person. Now, in Kearns, you have the pub on the right-hand side. On the left-hand side, you can get a pair of long johns, flended sheets, a wheelbarrow, a gate, and a bag of meal for the cows. Fantastic. Cross the road to Foxy's, another story. Oh, Jesus, how do we start with Foxy? Foxy has the pub on the left-hand side, and the hardware is on the right. From a paint stripper to the oldest paint to a scythe, to a shears, to indoorette, to vitamins for a horse, to a mattress for a bed, and a bicycle. He had me at a bag of meal for the cows, and we were off. Our first stop was Foxy John's, which still serves two clientels. Yeah, a hardware store and a bar. Um, the bar itself is over roughly about 200 years old. And originally it was a bar and a bakery. Here even the history has history. And um, you'll see the big fireplace in the middle area, that was where the bakery was. And uh, 75 years ago it uh, was bought into my family and they changed the bakery side of it to the hardware side. So the hardware, it's been a bar and a hardware for 75 years. But initially before that it was a bar and a bakery. That's John, who serves as a bartender and the hardware clerk. He knows where everything is, from oil funnels to grain bait to rope to paintbrushes. And do people come in and get, like, 
I don't know, a couple of hammers, some nails, and you get a, any kind of hardware. Yeah, it, I mean, we don't do lumber and stuff like that, but any any general purpose hardware. He helped Francis find some tape. No, I'm not going to use that tape. Mate, they were very common in Ireland one time. Mainly, the most common ones were bars and grocery stores, but you had every possible type combination you could think of were in Ireland and they were very common until the late mid to late 80s yeah. and early 90s a lot of them disappeared when that generation died off the young the next generation they were either sold or they were redeveloped or something you know so um, Dingle still has three or four of them left like Dick Max that still has several shells of shoes tries in that after a few pints uh, Dick Max leather, yeah, and across the street, Corns, he does bits of everything, clothes, bits of food. Yeah, this is it, yeah. We're here since 1880. That's James Curran, who owns the place. And bits of everything is kind of an understatement. Here you're going to find everything from celebrity photographs, the likes of Robert Mitchum, who stopped by while he was filming movies here in the area, to musical instruments, household goods, furniture, dishes, and, ooh, how about an antique scale? You can buy boots, you can buy shirts, you can buy caps, you can buy maybe a few antiques. Yeah. Do people come in and do that? They, they do, get a yeah. Pint? Oh, yeah. they do, yeah, and have a pint. That's it, yeah. And then Francis saw the hats. How much are your hats? That's around 35 euros. So I had a cheap. pint while he was shopping. They're cheap for that. Yeah, they're yeah. nice. Because they're made in Donegal and they're made in Kerry. And they got some good stories at the bar. <laughs> it turns out James Curran is also a collector of history. A bit of a reluctant historian, if you will. He's the fourth generation in his family to run this pub, which means he is now keeper of the ledgers. James Curran has leather-bound ledgers that date back to when his grandfather, also James Curran, took over the pub. That was back in 1880. James Curran, that's my name, James Curran. Yeah. That was the first fellow that came here. They track what was sold. And he sold groceries, spirits, seed merchants, meal, flour, rope, twine, nets, Boots and shoes, etc. And what was charged? Look at the prices. That is What's the date on these? All these ones. 1928. These are 1890s. He has them for all of the little pub shops in town. This one is a, was a grocer. And this one was James O'Connor. They had the bus stop. That was McCarthy's up there. They had a grocery shop and a bakery. And a pub. And a pub. He also has letters tracking when families would send their oldest child to America. That child would send money back to repay the debt and to pay for the next child to come over. And do you have kids that are going to take over? No, every? I know kids. Thanks be to God. Oh, he sounds just like my son. <laughs> <laughs> my nephew's taking over. Oh, oh, so the eight's going to continue, right? Yeah. And check this out. This wasn't even half of the pubs Morris had on his list for us to see. As you mark take a left. Okay. Come over to the roundabout, go straight through. You have O'Sullivan's Courthouse. It makes a giant out of the little people and an Egypt out of the giant. Put up your finger and you're hitting the ceiling. So pack your bags, Francis. We're making another trip. 
three or four doors up, then you have the green and white pub, shamrocks on the wall outside. With a Here's a riddle for you. What is the charm of an Irish village, the reach to Broadway, and some of the fastest feet on the planet? The Dingle Pub. We'll take you there after the break. Aaron's Isle gets support from... Harp Technologies in Galway, matching up leaders in medical technology to help fuel the future of that industry in the west of Ireland. That's Harp Technologies in Galway. St. Ives Florist in Reno, Nevada, somewhere you don't want to miss if you're in the biggest little city in the world. Dedicated to creativity, this family-run business focuses on fabulous arrangements with the freshest of flowers, and it offers gorgeous decorating ideas for every season. That's St. Ives Florist on Wells Avenue in Reno. And Cafe 37 West, home of the famous chicken melt, the best coffee, and the happiest staff in the west of Ireland. Cafe 37 West on Newcastle Road in Galway. If you make it to Dingle, don't miss the Dingle Pub. Well, seriously, you can't miss it. It's whitewashed and covered with shamrocks. That may indeed be what draws you inside, but what you find inside is what'll keep you coming back. The Dingle Pub is a family-run business with great food, live music, and their own resident dancer. A few times a night, David Ganey makes his way from behind the bar, where he's serving up food and drink, to just in front of the band, where he dances. Well, I started when I was about six. I'd be considered a late starter. Um, my older sister Susie, she was dancing when she was younger and she won a medal. I just wanted a medal. And it was more out of greed than anything. And I went to play football and they said I was too young. So uh, I ended up dancing just because I wanted a medal and been doing it ever since. He's a five-time world Irish dance champion. Five times he's won the top honours. first one was kind of a blur. I was so young, I was 10. I didn't really know what was going on. It was just like another competition. Um, then when I was 11, I kind of realised how hard it was to win. But he kept at it. Even when I was younger, I was never really training for speed. I was just naturally fast at it. How fast, you ask? Almost as fast as James Devine, who holds the record. So, wait, th- there's a title for the fastest feet? Yeah, he has a Guinness World Records. He's got 38 in one second. And what is yours? Uh, I never measured it properly. Uh, I made a deal that I won't break it until he's retired. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm waiting for him to retire, really. <laughs> no, uh, but I did it one day messing when I was recording for my new DVD. And I just, just off by chance, I said, can you count the how many times the graph moves in the recorder? And he said, yeah, we'll give it a go. And it was roughly around 33, 34, uh, which Michael Flatley, I think, was 34 in a second. Uh, so without any practice, I was that close. So I'll, I'll push it to 38 if I can. It got him noticed and invited to be on Britain's Got Talent. It's hands down the best thing and the worst thing I've ever done. Um, it was the best thing I've ever done because the exposure that offered was something amazing. They approached me in December. I initially said no because it was in the middle of my final year exams in university. Um, and they know what to say to you to convince you and inevitably convinced me to go on the show. So I said, I give a go. I mean, I always had it in my head that I was going to do something like that eventually. So I took part in it and I kind of came up with a concept I'd been thinking about for a while. It was never really fully developed when I went on the show. 
Um, but as you go on these type of shows, kind of producers and directors take over. They kind of guide you in a, a way they think is going to work and they think that they want you to do. And whether it's right or wrong, you have to do it. Like, you go on and see singers on X Factor or American Idol or whatever it may be, and you might say, oh, they picked the wrong song. Uh, they didn't pick the song at all. It was producers and directors that picked the song. Yeah, but they can't tell you how to dance, can they? No, but they can tell you what to wear, what track to pick, you know. I mean, it's especially in the semi-final, I went in and they picked Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I wasn't convinced with Somewhere Over the Rainbow from the minute they gave me the track. He did it. He didn't win, but it got him to the next level, to his own show, on Broadway, with his own choice of music and style. It's called Velocity. I suppose kind of what I'm doing now with my own show, Velocity, is kind of new-age traditional Irish music. I won't claim that my style is completely Irish now, but at the root of it is still Irish dancing. The heart of my art is Irish music, um, but just pushed in a more modern direction. I mean, purists will tell you I'm definitely not an Irish dancer. I trained as an Irish dancer, I still claim to be one, but at the same time my style incorporates anything I love. Um, so I, I love tap, Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire are my biggest idols. Every Irish dancer will tell you, well not every Irish dancer, but most Irish dancers will tell you it might be Gene Butler or Michael Fatley or Colin Dunn or any of the big names in Irish dancing throughout the years. For me it never was, I never had any aspirations to be in Riverdance or Dance. it was always Gene Kelly for the Sayer. I just think they were geniuses. It's your passion, right? Yes, my number one passion is what I want to do for the rest of my life, no doubt about that anyway. But he'll be back to Dingle, his family owns the pub, and the pub crowd is his favourite. Pub gig, there's nothing like it. I uh, just, I love them. You know, you could be dealing with anything. You could deal with a terrible crowd one night. You could deal with the best crowd of the week one night, and then you'll have to deal with drunk people and everything. It's just a great. It's a game. It's like a game. It's Did great. you ever think that dancing would take his job? No, I never. I still don't think about it. I mean, I take it on a daily basis. Um, I mean. There's obviously huge career opportunities in it, but I didn't think it would take me this far. Uh, not in a million years, I think it'd take me to Broadway at 23 years of age uh, with my own show, so no. Uh, so I'm prepared for anything now for the rest of the, the journey. So if you're in New York, check out his show on Broadway. It's called Velocity. When he's not there, you'll find him at the Dingle Pub. This Week Abroad Abroad is brought to you by irishcreation.com. Educating the world on Ireland's traditions and magical charm and offering those with Irish heritage a way to celebrate your culture today and for generations to come. It's all through the high-quality Irish jewelry delivered to your door. You can see how their creations reflect heritage and style at irishcreation.com. I think passion is essential in life. It can direct your life like it's doing for David Ganey. And sometimes it can even transcend death. Such is the case of the Elephant Whisperer. 
Anthony Lawrence was drawn to helping endangered animals, in particular the elephants of South Africa. He founded the Tula Tula Game Reserve for them. It became his home and his haven, and he became known as the Elephant Whisperer. He says he found his time with the elephants both terrifying and magical. He gained their trust and he made them understand that as long as they stayed on the reserve, they'd be safe. But if they insisted on trampling into the village, they could be shot. They had a connection that was inexplicable. In 2010, Anthony Lawrence died of a sudden heart attack. Word of his death hadn't even traveled to human ears when his elephant friends sensed the loss. Those who know the area say the elephants would have had to walk 12 hours straight to get to his house across the reserve. But elephants from two different herds that he'd saved showed up at his home just five hours after his passing. 22 elephants traveled in single file, found his home, and surrounded it. They mourned for two days, and they couldn't be explained nor dissuaded. Then, just as mysteriously, they returned to where their human friend had assured them they'd be safe. Anthony Lawrence had passion. He spent his life helping animals that needed him. As for the elephant's mysterious journey, okay, some things just can't be explained. But just as actions can speak louder than words, sometimes your death says an awful lot about your life. You can find pictures of the pubs in Dingle, including the hardware store, all those ledgers, and David Ganey, all on my website at AaronMeehanBreen.com. Just click on Aaron's Isle. If you're interested in becoming part of this effort, or if you've got a story you'd like to hear, you can contact me there as well. And I hope to see you back here for the next edition of Aaron's Isle, an international venture looking out for adventures you don't want to miss. Hi, I'm Edmund McNulty. I am from Donegal originally, the home of Irish Knitwear, and I've now moved to Drogheda. Hi, I'm Sharon O'Brien from Greignamana. I'm Fred from Galway. Galway's a great pub. I'm John Kennedy from Castletown Gig in the County Westmead, and we live in the dead centre of Ireland. Hi, I'm Sinead from Mayo, the holiest county in Ireland, home to Grofadrig and to Tanakh. Hi, I'm Adam from Portland, Oregon, where it rains all the time, reminding you that Aaron's Isle is a Blue Dragonfly production, all rights reserved. Cheers. 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 Cheers.